Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor of Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always. And today, it's Draft Breakdown Day. We're going to get into everything everybody's talking about. Of course, the biggest topic, the future of Dennis Schroeder in Atlanta. Okay, probably not that. But Trey Young going to Atlanta with Kevin Herter, uh, of course, the Luka, and Luka Doncic to the Dallas Mavericks in the biggest trade of the day. The slide of Robert Williams, the slide of Michael Porter Jr. We're going to talk about all of it with Dan Feldman. And, like, why are we putting this off? Let's welcome in Dan Feldman from NBC Sports. How are you doing today, Dan? Did you get enough sleep after the draft? I am good. And no, and I'm sure you didn't either. <laughs> no, neither of us did. Um, it was an interesting draft. I have to say at the top, I mean, we had a couple of trades, but we didn't have any veterans moved, which is kind of what I'd expected to see more of as teams trying to get off of salary uh, teams trying to shift some of their roster around and get, either get younger or or be more aggressive bringing in guys. And we didn't see any of that. The only, I mean, the big trade, the 3-5 Donkic, uh, Trey Young trade between Dallas and Atlanta didn't even have a player. Uh, they, they, there was talk about Bazemore and all these guys being involved, but at the end of the day, it was an extra pick. Uh, were you a little surprised by that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know if anybody's looked into this the last time we had a draft night with zero current player movement because you know there's always something sometimes it's minor it could be you know obviously this trade turned out way more consequential in the long run but that donovan mitchell trade uh with the nuggets like trey lyles was was the piece you know there's always just something like that thrown in you know i think there are a lot of reasons different reasons that add up why there were no veteran players moved but i think a big one you mentioned teams wanting to get off salary there might just be too many teams trying to unload salary and not enough willing to take it. Yeah, I think that there's something to that. It's going that's going to be playing out interestingly in July as we get into it. And a lot of these teams are trying to. You said, I mean, we've seen teams get off. We saw obviously Charlotte get off of um, the Dwight Howard salary in in a move that was really about getting away from the cap more than as much as anything. Like I, nobody away really, from the tax. I mean, the tax. I should say. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. Away from the tax. Because nobody really likes that move. Nobody wanted to take on... I don't even think Mitch Kupchak wanted to take on another year of Timofey Bozgov, but it was about kind of saving some tax dollars or, or getting away from the threat of the tax. So we'll but, see if... But don't you, don't you think with Kupchak in particular, yes, that was absolutely the primary goal, but don't you think when he's adding up all the factors of the trade, he more than anybody else looked at, well, Mozgov could could play for us too. Yeah, exactly. I think he thinks more of them than, than most. <laughs> well. I, I'm not sure the new coach, James Borrego, is going to feel that way about it. We'll see how that goes. Um, let's get into the draft, though. I, I, let's start with the big story, which was the the 3-5 trade with uh, Atlanta getting the guy that they were really high on, Trey Young, being able to trade down two spots, get Trey Young, and get a uh, first-round first pick next year protected from Dallas. I... I I guess if you're really high on Trey Young, I like that for for Atlanta. They they get Kevin Herter at 19, and they've got their 
theoretically a, like a back young backcourt they can throw out there. Um, and by the way, Dennis Schroeder can just start packing his bags, selling his home, uh, being ready for the move, right? Uh, who's taking him? That is actually a really good point. I mean, there's not a lot of teams looking to there's not a lot of teams looking to take on point guards and looking to take on. By the way, three years at fifteen five, I believe it is. Like he's got a fair amount of salary left on that deal. Um, I'd be curious to see if somebody like Dallas or someone might jump in with that. But I, well, actually, not Dallas. They've got Dennis Smith Jr. But I'm trying to think of a a team with uh, looking for a young point guard who could. I don't think Phoenix would take it on. But it's kind of a you know, Dennis Schroeder. Part of that too is that. This is not a guy with the best reputation as a great teammate, a great you know guy who listens to coaches and wants to play team ball. So there's some frustration. It'll be interesting to see if if they're able to move my guess. Yeah, I, they want to. Well, they might have to throw in a sweetener to do it. So that that's I think the real question is: Would they throw in a sweetener? Now maybe after free agency, if somebody strikes out like the Suns strike out on all the point guards they want to get, maybe they would just say, "Hey, we'll take a flyer on him." Uh, but are there any would, – would the Hawks throw in a sweetener, or would they rather just ride out? Because the Hawks are not trying to win right now, no. right? That's pretty clear. Like, they're comfortable in their rebuilding. They have a, a new executive in Travis Lake who's just comfortable taking his time because he has that job security. But do they care more about culture? Like, would they throw in a sweetener just to get rid of him, to, to improve the culture? And you look at that Dwight Howard trade last year that sent him to Charlotte. That was about the culture – and you know they didn't not like that was not a good trade for the Hawks in terms of money or anything else uh, how they structured it they just wanted Dwight gone no matter what and I do wonder whether they'd get to that point with Schroeder. Yeah, I, uh, that's a very good question. It's it's they might have to. I think they like I, more I think about it more I think they're going to have to throw in some kind of sweetener just because it's really hard to move point guards right now and it's really hard to find teams that can take on money that's it's a tough combination to do that in this off season do you like it for Atlanta though long term I guess it kind of comes down to how highly you rate Trey Young basically right well it's Trey Young and Luka Doncic and I was very high on relatively on both of them but I was definitely higher on Doncic yeah. and and so I, I like this a lot for Dallas. Those are decent pick protections in there. Mark Stein reported those. Uh, we put them into the post on the site, all of them year by year. And so there's some risk there. For it really to work out, the Mavericks have to sign a good center this summer, and that gives them a good enough team. It's only top five protected next year. So the odds, no matter, you know, Dallas would have to be really, really bad for, for it to be likely to convey uh, in a future year. It's probably going to be next year. And so the Mavericks want to be as good as possible. Send a bad as pick as possible. And if they can get a good center, I, I think it's definitely a good trade for them. It's probably a good trade for them anyway. Uh, for the Hawks, like, I probably would have just rather had Doncic. I really like Doncic. Yeah. But if Trey Young is your guy, at least they did a good job of getting an extra asset in the process. Exactly. I think that that's, that's kind of where I am, which is they're higher on Trey Young than I am. But we'll see how that shakes out. You know, um, I'm with you on Dallas. By the way, there's going to be centers available. There's a lot of talk about them going in on on DeMarcus Cousins. Is it going to take... Do you think you need to throw in a third year to get him, or is two going to be enough with this current next deal? Um, so it, it's probably going to, you know, for the winner, right? Like, right. I bet he gets a lot of two-year offers, but the offer he's going to take is the best one, so that's really what we should be judging it on. And I bet the winner has uh, a partially guaranteed third year, maybe with some... Uh, 
additional protections that he can get by playing in a certain number of games. But at least I would be surprised if it doesn't start off at least partially protected. Yeah. That third year is going to be interesting. And I'd be, re- again, I'd be really cautious. I know that there's some one year deals out there too, that'll be thrown. Um, but there's a lot of centers available. I mean, you know, they, and that's one thing that should work for them. I mean, there's DeAndre Jordan, but there's a lot of guys. Even if you just want to, you know, I don't think they're bringing New Orleans Noel back, but there's guys that they could go get and and see, you know, how that works. But that's actually I like this a lot for Dallas, just because I like how I can picture if they're willing to run next year. Um, Dennis, I mean, uh, um, Dennis Smith Jr., Harrison Barnes, who they've already got. Now you put Luka Doncic in there, and you've got some. Guys who can move the ball, guys, a couple of guys who are incredibly athletic. Uh, Doncic is a really great passer and can finish in and can catch and shoot when he gets the ball back. Like, there's just a lot to like about that potential if they pick up the tempo. And I think, look, Rick Carlisle is a smart coach. They did not do that last year. I think they were a little bit protective. I don't know if that was a defensive thought or if that's just his style. But I think that they'll get out and run more this year with that group, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, It'll be interesting. By the way, if you're if you're Dallas, do you even play Donkic in summer league, or do you just like, dude, you're, you just basically played an NBA season. You're good. We'll, we'll wait for the fall. Yeah, you you've got to give him time to rest. He's played so much. The, the rest is more important than yeah. summer league. I really I really uh, like Donkic's fit with Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. I am a little more concerned about uh, for Smith Jr. whether he fits as well with Donkic, and I think they can develop over time. Like, yeah. But Smith is going to have to develop a little bit more of an off-ball game that's not really his forte. I think he has the tools to do it. It's just not something he's done as much. So if they're sharing a little more, and, and look, at Smith got a lot of experience. Rick Carlisle loves to play two-point guards together. Yep. Smith got some experience doing it, but a lot of what they did last year really went through Smith, and I think that's going to have to change a little bit. And Doncic is better when he has that other uh, point guard with him. If Doncic is really the only guy, then some of his athletic limitations, uh, he can get pressured into some some tough situations a little too much. So I really I like that combination a lot. And as far as center, I don't like uh, Cousins as a fit. You just talked about how yeah. this is a team that can play up tempo. Cousins can't do that. The dream free agent pickup is Clint Capella. I don't know if that can happen. Like I don't know if they can offer enough where the Rockets wouldn't match. The Rockets have made it like very clear, putting out the message, they want Capella back and will pay anything. Uh, but maybe Dallas could test that. That, to me, is, is the dream pickup. Yeah, that would be. And, and he fits the time, the age timeline and everything else with those uh-huh. guys as well. So that would make that would make a ton of sense. But there's there's options out there. Centers are... There's <laughs> centers available to get them. And that, but like you said, it makes Dallas's pick probably convey next year because I think that they're going to be a pretty good team I, you know I don't know if we'll we'll see how things shake out and if they can make the playoffs but I think they're closer to that the other wild card in there by the way that really doesn't get talked about when we're talking about picks next year and going forward the changed lottery system will change that dynamic suddenly like you can move way up or way down a lot faster in this new system just because you know now the top three picks have it was it 14 or 14.5 percent chance of winning as opposed to 25 you're going to see more teams kind of slide up and down. So that will factor into, there's just going to be some random, basically some random luck thrown into this now that wasn't there before. Yes. Um, yeah, it, which is going to get interesting. Uh, we'll Let's go through some of the other picks. Obviously, we, look, you got to give this Phoenix Suns an A for getting DeAndre Ayton number one. That's You, know, you didn't mess up the number one pick. Congratulations. Uh, he's He was the uh, clear. You, 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 you didn't have him as a clear number one? I did not have him as a clear number one, no. I had him as number one. 
but I don't think it was clear. I think it was neck and neck with Doncic, and you know, history will judge whether they they got that right or not. You know, they obviously yeah. had access to more, especially in the eight, and more scouting, more intel, interviews, workouts than I did. But I think that was neck and neck, and I'm not assuming they got that right. Okay, but they they took the consensus guy, which probably keeps Ryan McDonough's job safe. What did you think, though, of the, by the way, the coldest moment of the night? Hey, let's let Mikhail Bridges do the, pre- hug his mom who works in the Sixers, for the Sixers in the building, and uh, all this great family stuff. Go through the whole press conference, and then as he's coming off the stage, oh, by the way, we traded you to Phoenix. Um, that was just cold, man. Uh, but did you like that move for them? I, I like the lineup it puts together, but I don't know if, I mean, I like the lineup. I like Bridges, but I don't know if I would have given up on Smith for like the, the trade they made. Yeah, I I don't think I would have done the trade as the Suns. I really like Bridges. I I had Bridges fairly high on my board, uh, higher than most, and like I still didn't think it was worth it because that Heat pick in twenty twenty one could be so valuable. Yes. The Heat are not a young team; they are capped out. They are constantly trying to thread the needle to be pretty good in the present. Like, I think in tw- like they could be anything in 2021 that is so far down the road, but the upside is so high. They could drop off so hard, and it's an additional unprotected pick just to move. I think it's worth more than moving up six slots because I, I did have uh, Bridges ranked higher than that. But, like, to move up, I don't know, let's say it was worth moving up ten slots. To give up a unprotected Miami first-round pick just for that seems pretty extreme to me and a little short-sighted. Yeah. By the way, Philadelphia is loving getting that pick because if they're trying to put together a a package for LeBron uh, for Kawhi Leonard or whatever you know trade they might make down the line for a, a elite player, and they're certainly looking that way, that pick has huge value. That pick, I uh-huh. mean, if honestly, if just to use, we'll use Kawhi for fun as an example because he's sitting there. Um, you throw in that Miami twenty twenty one pick, Markel Fultz, and some other people, and suddenly you're like, you know. If I'm rebuilding, that's a really nice package, whatever, you know, wherever you grade Fultz out at after last year. So um, that's a huge piece going forward for them. That's why I kind of really like that for Philadelphia. I think it gives them more options, even though I think Bridges, you could just, you could see how Bridges just plugged right into that lineup. And Smith is a weird fit in Philadelphia. I mean, look, here's the other thing. I like Bridges way more than Zier Smith, but... The draft is kind of a crapshoot. Like, you don't know. Like, yeah. I, I would not be surprised if Smith turns out better than Bridges because that's just how the draft works. Like, they are close enough. Even though I think it's clear, it's definitely clear which player I'd prefer and it's clear which player these teams would prefer. And I think pretty much all teams would prefer. But they are close enough that it could turn out either way. So you get, you know, this coin. It's not an exactly equal coin toss, but you get some probability that you got the better player in Philadelphia and you get the pick. But like I said, I am concerned about the fit because Smith isn't a good shooter. Like, that's what he really needs to work on is his ball skills. And how does that fit with Ben Simmons? Yeah, exactly. I, he, I, it's hard to picture. Like, that's a project to put next to Ben Simmons where, where Bridges could have been just plugged in, basically plug-and-play 3-and-D guy who fits in with what they wanted to do. So um, perfectly. Yeah, and by the way, it does fit nicely. I I like what they've got in Phoenix. So I will give them this. I think that, you know, okay, they're going to – we talked about – Joked about, talked about Schroeder potentially, but okay, you got to go find a point guard of the future. You got to find a point guard to fill that out. But now you got Devin Booker at the two, Bridges at the three, 
Josh Jackson, who started to show something at the eight, or like he's starting to mature at the end of the last year at the four. Ayton at the five, you bring in a new coach who's big on player development and has developed all these guys in Utah and, and, gold and all these other places. There's something to that. Like, that's the nice start of something. We'll see if they can continue. We'll see if Robert Sarver finds a way to screw that up. But <laughs> but it's it's a nice foundation to build on. There's reason to be hopeful if, if you're a Suns fan. My big question for Phoenix, and, you know, this this started as soon as they got the number one pick, and, and then obviously adding uh, Bridges only adds to it. Is their young core bright enough? Yeah. that they can sell Sarver on patience because they were putting out real noise before the lottery, before it became, you know, before they knew they would get such a high pick that we are going to be active in free agency. Like, we're not waiting around. We're going to go try and get players who make our team better. And that seemed like a, a bad plan. Like, it could work, but you add add veterans, expensive veterans, and what do you do? Like, you go from 20 wins to 30. Who cares? You're not going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, and then you're stuck with these veteran players like you can look at their roster Tyson Chandler uh and see them trying this in the past and that's how they end up where they are and that's you try and do that plan that's how you continue to be where they are but is this young core good enough to pitch Sarver on hey let's just wait like we have so much young talent and now it's going to be okay we don't need to shortcut it like let's just wait I don't know if they do I don't know if there's any amount of young talent that'd be enough to make that case but this is at least compelling argument to Robert Sarver. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see how that goes. And by the way, Robert Sarver will probably tell them he loves the idea of being patient and then will change his mind around, oh, I don't know, the trade deadline. So we'll, <laughs> see, we'll see how that shakes out. Moving on, we'll get to the number two pick, Marvin Bagley the third to Sacramento. That's fine. I I, I would, again, I, you and I are higher on Donkic. I, I would have done, I might have done something different. Bagley wanted to be there. They like him. Uh, potentially he and, I don't know, Scal Labrassier or, or Harry Giles, who they're quietly really high on coming into next year, or some of these guys. Maybe that forms your front court of the future that plays no defense, but we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see how he pans out. I've, I've got my questions about Bagley, but that's, you know, that's one of those, hey, I've got my questions. Now we'll see if I'm right or if, if, if he's going to pan out a lot better than I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is for me, too, but I'll go into what my questions are. I mean, it's it's really more than anything. It's his rim protection, and yeah. it's to a lesser degree his perimeter defense, which wasn't good, but he was so woeful as a rim protector, so lost. And this is why part of the reason Duke went to his zone. Like, he was lost, and, and it's not just, okay, maybe he develops better recognition, he learns defense more. That might not even be enough. This is what separates him from Aiton. Aiton was not a good rim protector, but Aiton has all the tools to be a good rim protector, to be a good defensive player. He has a long way to go, and maybe he never gets there. Like, even if he makes tremendous strides, maybe Aiton only tops out as an average defensive player. But Bagley doesn't have those same tools. He has a short wingspan. He's got a, a little bit of a thinner frame, isn't as strong. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold up inside. And then he also has to develop the recognition. He probably even has a lot far, further to go developing the awareness than yep. Aiton does. And so that's a huge question. I just it, it seems to me too likely that the Kings made this pick for the wrong reasons. That they wanted the guy who wanted to be in Sacramento rather than thinking about who's going to be the, the best player for them in the long term. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I don't trust Vadi Divac's uh, picks in these situations. Like He was talking after the draft about the Kings being a super team, just young, 
Uh, which maybe it's just like something you say to give your players confidence, but that seems kind of ridiculous. And I think we're going to look back on that quote and laugh very hard at it. Uh, he was talking about Bagley's ability to play small forward. Again, maybe that's just something you say, but playing Bagley at small forward in the NBA to me is, is just mind-blowingly bad. And so talking about it just makes Divots look bad. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure that the Kings will pull this off and, and be able to develop this into anything, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to give them the sure. chance. I'm going to give them the rope, and we'll see how this goes. Um, I, I honestly, I think the guy who was a better fit for them is who Memphis got it for. I like. I was always higher on Jaron Jackson, who uh, brings some defense and, and some floor spacing. Um, he should fit. I, I like his fit in Memphis. The only question is, like, Memphis is kind of a win-now team, and he's a bit of a project. So how is that, you know, the owner's talking about winning 50 games and getting back into the playoffs. How is that all going to mesh? Well, it's very hard to go from where Memphis was to winning 50 yeah, well, games. And, like, this is why. It's because you start to think about things like, well, you have the number four pick in the draft. You have a chance to add a, a really nice talent for the long term, which they did. But then you're concerned about how does he fit this year? Like, that shouldn't be the concern. Yes. On the bright side, he actually might fit okay. Uh, I think he is definitely a center long-term, but he is still growing into his body a little bit, feeling things out. Like, I don't think in the short term, in the way that sometimes you need to protect rookies, that playing him at power forward next to Marc Gasol is a terrible thing in the short term. Now, in the long term, you're going to have bigger questions. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, at six, Mo, by the way, the other big center on the board, Mo Bamba to Orlando. I like, look. We'll see how if Orlando can develop him, but I like that pick for them. They, they, they just need talent. They need the best guy on the board. He's worth the risk to me if you're, if you're Orlando. Yeah, I agree. He, he was uh, the best player available, so you, you take him, but it, it does cause complications. Like, it's worth taking him, but now you have long-term, you have Bamba, you have Jonathan Isaac, you have Aaron Gordon. I'm not sure the three of them can play together. Yep. I'm not even sure like which two of them can play together. There's probably some combination of two, but I'm not sure which two. And then you have Vucevic, you have Bismack Biombo, and you're not going to base your draft pick on those two at all. But you probably want to have their trade value as high as possible, and this will just make it harder for that to happen. Right. The uh, Bulls at seven go with the younger, younger version of... Um of Robin Lopez, basically, and Wendell Carter Jr., who'll play next to... I, I, I can't, I'm having trouble picturing how Carter and and Markinen make stops, but all right, we'll give it a shot. We'll see what what they've got there in Chicago. I'm not totally sold on that combo, but they're going to go with it. It should score. They should have some versatile offensive plays, but we'll see what happens defensively. And then you get to... I, I kind of like this pick for Cleveland. I was higher on Colin Sexton than most. I think he's a... That, it's, but does that strike you as a, hey, that's a guy we can start to build around and give the ball to once LeBron is gone pick, or is that just me? Uh, I kind of am with you. He doesn't seem to fit with LeBron at all. No. You know, he's not. He's a guy who needs the ball a lot, and maybe the logic is if LeBron comes back, he's not going to be ready to be a starter anyway. You still have George Hill, who fits much better with LeBron, and you're going to play Sexton a lot off the bench. He's going to get minutes when LeBron sits, and you're not going to worry about that. If they thought he was the best player, you take him regardless of LeBron, because sometimes guys develop in different ways. He could develop his jumper uh, to be something more to better complement LeBron. I was pretty average on Sexton, so I thought this was a slight reach, but not too much to, to be up in arms about. Yeah. The Knicks fans booed the picking of Kevin Knox, even though I kind of like Knox to them. Um, but I think at this point, Knicks fans would like, oh, you drafted Michael Jordan third? Boo! <laughs> 
Like, they're going to boo everything. So, um, what, what did you like about Knox? I just think if you're going to go with long-term upside athleticism, he can be that kind of guy. He can play some three or really more of a small ball four, ultimately, I think. Although, if that means you're playing, you know, Porzingis at the five. He's going to... He's, look, his jump shot's got to get more consistent. He's got to defend a little more consistently. He's a bit of a project. But you've got time. You're not going to have – you don't have um, Porzingis this coming year, or at least not most of it. So it's a chance to kind of develop him as part of the future. So I I don't, I don't, like that risk on the board. I don't know if that's where I would have gone. But as, as gambles go at that point on the board, I kind of – you know, that's a position of need, That's that kind of wing guy. I, I thought it was way too high for that gamble. I don't think people realize how big of a project he is because he played at Kentucky because he put up some you know decent per game numbers. Like he is so lost as a basketball player to me. That he has a long way to go, and he could you know figure it out. Like he is projectable, and I would have taken him at some point in the first round. But to me, he doesn't just have that that jump out of the gym athleticism where I feel like that highly I would have taken that gamble. Okay. We haven't gotten to the other big two. I think the other two big stories of this first round, and we need to talk to talk about it. The first, of course, is the slide of Michael Porter all the way down to fourteen to Denver. By the way, good win for Denver to get him at fourteen, um, and where he will probably, if not, you know, listening to Matt Moore, our friend Matt Moore, um, who was at the press conference with Mike Conley, the GM of of Denver. It sounds like they're going to be really like you're not seeing him in summer league for sure. You may not see him all of next year. They could redshirt him. I, I think look, there was risk with Porter, but 14's about where that risk seems like. Hey, let's let's jump on board. In fact, I'm surprised the Clippers didn't one spot earlier. Yeah, I thought a little bit higher would justify the risk, and I I really wonder. You know, obviously his back injury was the main driver, but how much were other things driving yeah. uh, his fall, his attitude, uh, you know, his style of play? Were teams concerned about that? I really liked him as a prospect, uh, but the, the injury and the attitude concerns, I think, are definitely valid. And for people who don't know, and I, I got some heat about this on Twitter, there were plenty of attitude concerns of from from teams. And, and, and as Rob Doster said on this podcast, if you talk to the coaches in Missouri, they they were not shy about discussing uh, some of the concerns about just basically he came out of a kind of an insular you know, environment where he's always kind of been the man and it's always kind of been about him. And now he goes to Denver where, hey, that's Nikola Jokic's team. And they've got Jamal Murray and they've got Gary Harris and they've got quality players and you're going to have to fit in and play a role. And, and the question is how he look, he's got to adapt to that now. And I think that that could take a little time, but I like the gamble there. The other guy who really slid down the board was Robert Williams, who was talked about another guy the Clippers talked about in the teens and slid all the way to Danny Ainge at 27, who's, who, you know, telling Terry Rozier and all every, not knowingly everybody else on the internet who they're <laughs> going to take. That was a great story. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised by that fall. Um, there are real concerns about his work ethic yes. and maturity and, you know, it's it's easy to watch him and look at his highlights and say he's really good. His motor is not good. You know, he he played very well for moments to put up if you're scouting him to to see good things. And you know, to me, the hope would be he was playing out of position at Texas A and M. It was a team that did not use him right. Uh, maybe the best they could have used him for the roster they had. But you shouldn't have constructed a roster like that, ideally, and NBA teams won't. And maybe once he's put in a better position to succeed and succeed more regularly, he will take practicing and all those things more seriously 
and develop. And I, I think he was worth that risk higher. Uh, and so it was a nice pick by the Celtics getting him here. But there is definitely bust potential even at 27. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's the advantage to taking him at 27 is that you don't pay that big a price if this doesn't work out. And if it does, if he does become even just the defensive player you hope he can be, and he, he never really develops an offensive game outside of finishing alley-oops, there's a use for that in, 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 a, in, a, in a role on a team. So, um, Who else did you like? Like, what picks did you like? Who did you think kind of had sneaky wins down the draft board? So I really liked Houston getting... Uh D'Anthony Melton in the yeah. second round. I had him rated as a middle of the first round prospect. And he is he is a very strange player because, he, you know, he reminds me so much of Marcus Smart. And I never thought there'd ever be a player who reminds me of Marcus Smart because he is so distinctive. But Melton is similar in a lot of ways, plays so hard. He's a good passer, good rebounder, good defender, disruptive. He's just not that good of a shooter, not that good with those ball, the ball in his hands, but he's kind of combo guard sized. And so I really think smart teams could figure out ways to use him very well, like the Celtics and Brad Stevens do with Marcus Smart. And so he's going to the Rockets. I think the Rockets are a smart team. I think they'll figure out how to make good use of him. And I'm surprised that there weren't teams before that uh, who who thought, hey, we could make good use out of him. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you a couple that I thought were kind of slid to the right team or slid farther down than I want. I like the Spurs getting Lonnie Walker the fourth at uh, at eighteen. Like that guy is a project. That guy has a world uh, out of Miami, a world of athletic talent, and a floating cap um, that just floats on his head. You can go find the pictures at NBCSports.com. With his hairdo, they put the cap on it, and it just looked like it was magically floating over his head. Um, that said, I, I like. I like that pick. Look, he's a player who was a project and needed to develop, and I don't think you can land in a better spot than the San Antonio Spurs to become a de- guy who's going to develop. Like, I really like how that works for them. Um, the other one, by the way, I think, you know, we talked about the things we liked and didn't like. 6'3 shooting guard Kyrie Thomas um, of Creighton falling all the way to 38 and the, the Sixers getting him there, I think that that is a... A good get at that. That's a good pickup at that point where that's a potential 3 and D guy that you got, you know, deep into the second round. Not deep, but far enough down in the second round. I really like that pickup for them. Yeah, so he's going to the Pistons. That was a trade. Oh, that's right. He was traded. That's right. And I'm, and I'm literally I, reading that, and I'm like... <laughs> I, I don't love, love it. I mean, I thought that was within the range of where he should go. Maybe a little lower. Like, I think it's decent value. But he is... He's uh, a little bit slow, not as good with the ball in his hands. Like, I'm just not sure he's going to be able to keep up at the next level. But he plays hard. He's strong. Like, it's it's fine for that range to me. Yeah. Um, wh- one other pick I really liked late was uh, Shake Milton. Yes. Uh, to Philadelphia into the 50s. Like, I'm, I'm not sure why he was rated so low going into the draft. He, he's a really nice shooter. He's a combo guard. I would have him playing shooting guard uh, offensively at least in the NBA, uh, but while playing on the ball at SMU, he developed some good passing skills. Like he advanced his game. He's, he's uh, a pretty slender guy, not the strongest, you know, even though he has good length, I'm not sure how good he'll be defensively. He, he might be good in very certain matchups against some point guards, uh, maybe against some like thinner shooting guards and then just completely exposed in others. But I think that is great value in the 50s. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I'm with you, by the way. I had Shake Milton like end of the first round, early second kind of guy. So to get him where they did is a huge pickup. He's a guy that physically, like, he just physically, you're like, passes the eye test, passes the check all the boxes. Like, he is long. He is athletic. He can do all these things. If you can get him 
to corral his game a little bit. That's a that's a great get in the fifth. Like you said, that's a guy. If you're drafting in the fifties, you genuinely do not expect these people to stick on an <laughs> NBA roster. Uh, so if you can actually get somebody who becomes a rotation player that deep, that's a that's a quality pickup. Um, anything you thought going, coming out of the draft where you thought, hey, I want this really sets up for certain teams for the future. We talked this about this a little bit, like it, Dennis Schroeder. Well, and, and can, we, can we jump to a different question first? Because we like to compliment all these teams of, you know, who did well, what picks did we like? Uh, what picks did you, like, think, oh, they just blew it? Ooh. Um, like, we can't just keep this all positive. We gotta, no, that's we gotta, true. Like, I, I, honestly, we have to pretend that we know how the next four years are going to go <laughs> and that today we can say this was just an awful pick. Um, I, I, well, I kind of glossed past it in the when we went past it in the first round and was kind of like, I'm not high on Wendell Carter Jr. at all. I just don't think he can defend another guy who I've got defensive questions about. He's and pairing him in Chicago with um, Lori Markinen, I, I, I get what they're thinking, but I just don't see how it works. I think that that's going to be. So I just don't see that as a pairing that will be able to play at the end of NBA games. So I'm, I, I did not love that pick for them. Um, that that was kind of the the first one up high where I was like, oh no, you couldn't really do that, did you? Um, after that, I, the Wizards and Troy Brown, I guess, was okay. I just don't. He has good length and all that, and he was a high recruit. But I just, I'm not quite sure what they're doing. But then I'm never quite sure what the Wizards are doing. <laughs> so I didn't like Wendell Carter either. I thought overall his quality of play that was too out of taken. But I do think he is a, a good fit with Lowry Markinen. Uh, so the, at least the fit is there. Uh, I didn't like Bagley. I didn't like Kevin Knox to the Knicks. Like, I covered those. One oh. other one I didn't like, Jerome Robinson at, oh. to the Clippers in the lottery. There is a very good lesson in that players who don't get good until they are college upperclassmen are almost always fooling you. Like, they are usually not going to translate to the NBA. Usually, they've just kind of figured out how to play at that level over time. They... Uh, they are better against younger, less experienced players, not who they're going to be facing in the NBA. And that's the story of Jerome Robinson. Now, I watched you know, him play as a junior at Boston College. I liked what I saw. Like, I liked it. Uh, enough to put him in the first round uh, on my board and say, you know what? He might be fooling me. He probably is. But I liked how he played well enough to, to put him in the late first round. But to take him in the lottery, whoo, that, uh, that is a reach to me. Yeah, and he's a guy who shot up, like Knox, like a couple of these guys, really shot up draft boards at the end. He was not that high to start out, like you said, and then it really came on over over the end of it. Um, yeah, I'm curious now how we now we start to gear into free agency, and I think that some of these things do you know do play a role. Specifically, Dallas needs a center, and there are centers out there. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Whether they go after. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys. I don't know if they'd go after DeAndre Jordan again, would they? I, they might, but again, I don't think they want to go 25 of, over four years with him or something. So we talked about this on another podcast, and we both agreed that the, there were too many hurt feelings, and yeah. in a year where you're not going to be that good anyway, like it's just the Mavericks aren't going to suck it up and get over it and and yeah. try and repair that for. For that, like if they were on the ver- like the verge of contention, then Jordan was going to push them over the top or do something meaningful. We thought that that then they would, but this trade with the Hawks changes the calculus. Yep. 
because now there is far more incentive to be good next year, maybe enough to go after DeAndre Jordan, who is not as good as DeMarcus Cousins, but would fit so much better. Well, we say not as good as DeMarcus Cousins. We don't know what DeMarcus Cousins is going to look like, to be fair. Um, That's a good point. That's a great point. I mean, we got a big guy coming off of the Achilles, um, which is why you can get him. I think the advantage to taking Cousins is you can get him for fewer years. You can do a two plus one in, in whatever form it's going to be, and you're not as wed to it. As I, I've got to think somebody's going, whether it's the Clippers or somebody else, somebody's going to give um, DeAndre Jordan four. You know, he, he, you're going to be, you're going to, I don't know. I think, uh, you don't think so? If he opts out without a promise of a contract like that, uh, you might not have to. Yeah, it's possible. It's going to be a tight market, and he's one of those guys who could learn a hard lesson. Or, honestly, you still hear this buzz more and more. He just could opt in. You could just take uh-huh. just take his contract next year, stay with the Clippers, let them try to trade him and or whatever they're going to do, and, and then you know come back next year. So I think that's it. And by the way, so so that's another option for the Mavericks. Like they don't have to sign him if no. he opts in. They could trade for him, and they could trade for somebody else. Like we shouldn't be looking at just yeah. free agents because as we were talking, so many teams want to unload salary. Like how about Marcin Gortat to the Mavericks right. if the Wizards are trying to unload him? Yeah, they He'd are be a decent fit for a year. Yeah, exactly. And he's a solid kind of does everything kind of guy will come in and and I, like you said, I think he could blend in. He's used to playing with a dull, ball dominant point guard. Kind of is a really good I mean, he has really good pick and roll chemistry with with John Wall. So I, I think that there's something there. You could that's actually a really interesting call where you could make that kind of trade. I'm not sure what you'd have to send back, but um it, it, that's an interesting one. I know Valanciunas is another guy you could get possibly. There there's big men out there that that would be available via trade, yeah. I don't know if I love the Valanciunas fit either for the similar reasons to Cousins. Like I think I'd want somebody who's a little bit more of a rim runner pick and roll guy. Uh but yeah, there, there are plenty of those too. Exactly. So that's cool. It's going to be interesting, Dan. It's going to be a wild wild next couple of months as we head into J- July 1 when things are I got a feeling it's going to be a late system. Like, it's just with LeBron James in particular and the Kawhi Leonard situation hanging out there, whatever whatever happens with that, it doesn't feel like LeBron's going to make a July 2nd decision and a bunch of other dominoes are going to fall. It's going to be another July 8th, 10th type of decision, and a lot of dominoes are going to hang until he makes a call. And it's going to be, a, we're going to be working well into July this time around, man. I think you're right, unless, unless. LeBron opts in, and I am not ruling that out. And it could be to go to Houston, yeah, I'm or sure. it could be to, or it could be to stay in Cleveland. I think if he because op- I don't know, I think if he opts in, it means that they found a trade. It very well could be, but his op- player option salary projects to be very slightly higher than what he could get by opting out than re-signing with the Cavs. And I don't think he's worried about like those tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if, you, if at that point you've decided you're going to stay in Cleveland anyway, I don't think he's going to commit to the Cavs long-term. He could. Oh, no. like, there's very little at this point that would surprise me. But I think if he's going to stay in Cleveland, it's most likely he'd want to do it just to bide his time and hope there's a better place to jump to next summer than the options that have presented themselves this summer, at least if he gets to that point. And so he could opt in like I really, to stay in Cleveland. I don't think that's impossible. Yeah, we will learn about that on July 20, uh, June 29th, a few days in advance. Of course, June next Monday is the NBA awards ceremony that now has just like zero drama. I'm glad they're dragging that out. <laughs> and 
then we'll get into July into July and and summer league and all sorts of stuff. So Dan, we will have you back on soon. Thanks a lot for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. And thank you everybody for listening. Again, you can subscribe to this podcast. Go to applepodcast.com slash PBT on NBC. That's PBT as in Pro Basketball Talk at NBC. And subscribe, comment. You can also find us on Stitcher, on you know, on the Google Play app, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Thank you again for listening. We will be back next week with more free free agency previews and heading into that time of year. Thanks again. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.